Thank you so much, Tim, for leading us in prayer. Tim Hazel, if, since we're a new church, no one knows Tim. But uh, say hello to him, he's a good man. All right, uh, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Our series is called Good, Better, Best, and it is all about Jesus Christ, as is the whole Bible. So let's just ask God to help us, and we'll read it together, and we'll think it together, and leave here, hopefully, having seen more of Him. I'll read it, and then I'll pray. Listen, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the ages. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of his being. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, open these words to us. Help us to think and feel and then praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, oh, and I did, I want to remind you, oh, I forgot to put it on there. I meant to put a number there for you, but if you look on the mobile phones uh, and you go to the Sunday outline, there is a number where you can text in any questions you may have. But I'm happy to take questions off the floor as well. But I'm pleased to say that this thing's growing. Last week we had a number of questions. We couldn't even answer them all. So that's very exciting for me. Who here doesn't like a really good sunrise. I mean, who here doesn't like a sunrise? Now, I know if you're a teenager, I can see a couple of you, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Um, it is curious, isn't it? The way as you get older, you see more sunrises. Uh, unless you were a surfer, then you used to, you always see. But uh, anyway, moving on, who hasn't seen a sunrise? I mean, how do you describe it? it? It is fairly majestic, isn't it? I mean, it's extraordinary. As you sit there, I'm not good with colours. I can tell the difference between yellow, my favourite colour, and green, and that's pretty much it. But you watch the morning, it's, it's pitch dark, and then suddenly, what's the first thing that changes? Colours. And I can't, you all going to laugh, but is it indigo, is it purple, is it violet, dark blue? I mean... But it, all those colours start to change. And it's, there's an air of anticipation. And then the rays start coming up. And you just see the rays across everything. Just these massive rays. And as the rays get brighter and brighter, what happens next is the stars that you were looking at begin to fade. All the stars just fade away. It's like someone's turning down the volume, you know, or the game. I learned that this morning. You know, maybe someone's, they all start to fade. 
And then darkness just scatters and darkness like evaporates and runs away. And, you know, you can see a bit of darkness under this bush and behind that, but it's just retreating. And it gets brighter and brighter and then suddenly, there she is. The sun pierces through and it's just staggering. I know you get used to it, that's but it, I find it very amazing. Up the sun comes. Absolute domination. No one can ignore it. That thing has come up and it takes over absolutely everything. Everything gives way. It's the central feature. Day has come. And, and I'm talking to the teenagers, there's nothing you can do about it. So you can close your curtains. You can put your doona over your head. But that day is come. Even if it's an exam day, you can't say, wait a minute. And you can get up and be grumpy and you can ignore your smashed alarm clock on the floor that you threw down. The day is here. Everything gives way to it. Everything yields to it. The sun has risen. Nobody can do anything about it. Nobody. And everything is under that sun from now on. Now that it is risen, everything is under that sun. And even though, how's this? That sun, it's not just that you can see it, you can feel it. Because as I was writing this, and the sun came out, first I take my beanie off, then I take layer number six, then layer number five, then layer number, because I'm not good with cold. But anyway, and I stripped out, not totally, but you know, I take all the, and then I take my feet out of my boots. And I put my little tootsies on the windowsill because the sun shines. And here's the point. The sun is 151 million kilometers away. I can feel it on my feet. It's burning my feet. It's warm on my feet. And as we saw last week, not this week, last week, all life depends on that sun. All life depends on that sun. Without that sun, it's dead. The Bible's got a great poem. The Bible says the sun is like a champion, rising in its course, going across. Nothing is hidden from its light. And this is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Because as we've seen over the past few weeks, John 1 all things were made through the Word. Without Him was not anything made that has been made. Everyone playing footy now is enjoying what He made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. Look at this great line. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can't overcome it. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Now we're on a journey through the book of Hebrews and you're thinking we're getting nowhere. The reason we're so slow in these first few verses is because they are an introduction into all the major themes of the book. And our journey in the book of Hebrews is telling everybody about the superiority of the Son. The book of Hebrews is telling us 
that the Son is superior. But why? Why is it telling us that? Here's why. Because it's not just true. It's good news. It's good news because think about it. Christians are not playing footy right now. We lose everything. Christians are such losers. If you think about it, I became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and I lost everything. And so because Christians look like they've got nothing, right, we're in danger of drifting away. It's too hard. And so the book of Hebrews is showing us the superiority of the Son so that we can see if you've got Jesus, you've got it all. Don't drift away from him. That's the logic of the book of Hebrews. And the way we're doing it is we're using the structure. Forgive me, for those of you here last week, this structure is called a chiastic structure. It's not just a made-up thing. It's a literary device that writers in this day in the Bible often use in order to highlight something. And the way it works very simply is the first line and this line balance each other, this line and this line balance each other. You can see it there, it's all on your mobile phones. And the point is to drive you to the middle, which is the main idea, the superiority of the sun. In our first week we studied this, the sun eclipses all the prophets. That was week one. Week two, we saw the sun is the messianic heir. And the Son is the Creator. Now, today, we're going to the center. We're going to look at the fact that the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being. And I have been preaching for 20-something years, and I, I am trying to get shorter. So, I wrote all three, and I just cut one off. So you'll be happy to know your roast chicken will not burn, we are just going to look at two things. I'm trying to get my sermon shorter. So there you go. We are going to look at two things this morning. Those two. The radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God. Is everyone with me? Okay, let's go. First of all, the sun is the radiance of the glory of God. Did you all see that? Verse 3. The sun is the radiance of the glory of God. So what does that mean? The sun is the radiance of the glory of God. What is that? What does that mean? Well, the word radiance, what does the word radiance mean? Actually, the original comes from the word for dawn. And it's got an intensifier on it. So it means the dawnest of dawns, which, you know, what does it mean? Here's a cool word for those of you who play Scrabble, effulgence. You know, it's a word we use all the time, effulgence. What is effulgence? Same as radiant. Here's what it means. It means brightness to the extreme. It means dazzling. It means blinding brightness. That's what radiance, or effulgence, means. It means 
those of you who remember a man called Jack Nicholson, the shining. That's what it means. It's the shining. Listen, listen. You can't see the sun. No one here has ever seen the sun. So what do you see instead of the sun? You see the radiance. You see the shining. That's what the shining is. It is the shiningness of light. Jesus is the shining of God. The radiance of God. And can, for, uh, this is higher grade. So those of you who want to rest for one second, those of you who want to think, think with me. Light must shine. Light that doesn't shine is not light. God is light. Therefore, the sun, being the radiance of God, is eternal. The Son has always been with the Father. There was never a time the Son wasn't. Because as God is light, the Son is the shining of that light. God was never without the Son. But never mind that. Think of this. Think of darkness. Think of darkness. Without Jesus Christ, think of the darkness. Okay. Look back. Look back as far as you can, not, not just to when you woke up this morning. All ages, all time. What do you see? No matter how far back we go, all we see is darkness. Who started it? Where does it come from? Oh, wait, I know. I read an article this week. RNA, as different to DNA, has an ability they've discovered to collect things in chemistries to itself. Maybe that's what started it all. That's the new thing. But even if that's true, by the way, I'm not frightened of that. What happened before that? And so no matter how far back you look, darkness. But what about the future? Look forward. There's nothing but darkness. Is Putin, now that they think he's got cancer, is he going to push the nuclear button? Is that how we're going to die? Are those ships going past WA going to spy on us and take our internet away? Oh. Yeah. But never mind that future. When I die, what happens then? It's dark. I come from darkness, I'm going to darkness. Then I look inside myself. Dwayne, what's inside you? What's wrong with me? Why don't I what I want to be? It's dark inside as well. Then I look up, oh my goodness, God, what's God? What is that? It's dark. It's just darkness everywhere. Until Jesus shines. And when the light shines, I know where it came from. The Word. All things were created by the Word for the Word. I know where I'm going. The future is in the hands of the heir of all ages, as we saw last week. I look up, I know God. I know God. How do you know God? Through his son. I look into my heart. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be like the sun. And he's changing. I know what's wrong with sin. Black. What was once dark becomes radiant light because the sun has risen. And we can only see by the light. So there I am, sitting in my front little lounge where I 
I think I'm right. And it's dark outside. It's pitch dark. I love it because I'm like two hours before anyone except for Ugly and my bird. Everyone else is still sleeping. And you can't see anything. It's pitch black. I might as well be blind. But as soon as the light starts to rise, I start to see things. I can see the sun. Did you know the sun was always there? Right? I just couldn't see it because it was dark. But now it rises. I get to see everything in the light. And here's an amazing thing. I get to see beautiful things. There's a Jack Robin, is that what it's called? Bush there for the birds. There's a, you know, all these plants. They were there, but it was dark. I couldn't see them. And as the light rises, I get to see true beauty. Clearly. I know there was beauty, but I was in such a dark place, I couldn't see it. But then the sun rises, and I see beauty. God is there. But without Jesus, you could never be certain. You'd always be in the dark. There are beautiful things in life. But without Jesus, you wouldn't see them clearly. Because they're just temporary distractions and then they die. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And by him we see truth and beauty. Do you guys remember the Sermon on the Mount? Not the Sermon on the Mount. But hopefully you remember that too. The Mount of Transfiguration. You know, Jesus is born in an animal feeding trough. Ain't no glory there. And the disciples are like, who is this? Could this be? No. Well, it can't be God because he doesn't look very shiny. Then Jesus takes them up this mountain. Peter, James, and John. And he goes up the mountain and this is what they say. His appearance transformed. He became dazzling bright so that they fell down they couldn't look at him this is their test this is what they wrote Peter wrote this afterwards and he said we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ Christianity is not a myth like other myths it's eyewitnesses we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when we were with him on the mountain. We saw the glory. We were there says Peter. Now, which one of you aren't sitting here thinking, lucky, 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 lucky Peter? You know, I, if I was there, I would now really be a Christian. If I saw that, then I'd believe. Is that what you're thinking? And it's natural. I want to tell you that God has gone one better. Because this is what happens to those who are Christians. Watch. What we proclaim is not ourselves. I saw a sign the other day saying this. I'm, I'm probably going to get into trouble for this. Should I say it? Yes, I'm feeling brave. A great church meets here. That's a sign we'll never have. Because we're not a great church. We're really not. 
We didn't even have a sound engineer this year. Because what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as nothing, just servants, for Jesus' sake. Now watch this. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has, look at this, this is better than what Peter saw, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? Where can you see the glory of God? In the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. Without Jesus, you can believe in God. But he ain't pretty. He's not lovely. It is Jesus who shows us both the truth and the beauty of God. Alright, so that's the first step. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The second thing, and you're going to see that they overlap. Secondly, Jesus, the Son, is an exact representation of God's being. Look at verse 3. He, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact representation of his being. What does that mean? You know, I've got to tell you that I really enjoy other religions. I read about them. I find them very interesting. And I find Islam very interesting. It, 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 there's a lot to learn there. In Islam, the moon plays a very significant role. Muslims do not worship the moon. That is, that is an insulting thing to say to them. But the moon plays a very significant role. Uh, the symbol of Islam is a crescent, right? Uh, the calendar of Islam follows the moon. Uh, the holiest month, Ramadan, begins with the first sighting of the moon, etc., etc. And the moon is just considered very helpful. And it's not hard to see why, because Muhammad was a camel trader. And in the Middle East, the camel traders traveled at night. Because during the day it was too hot, the sun was brutal. And so you travel at night, and the moon was your friend. Because when the moon rises in the desert, you see so clearly. You know? And so the moon plays a big role. Now everyone knows, and Muslims as well, that the moon has no light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun. And this is a wonderful picture of what we saw last week, or two weeks ago. Look at verse 1. Long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, the sun has risen. He has spoken to us by sun. That's what we saw three weeks ago. The sun eclipses all prophets. Why? Because he is light in itself. The rest are reflections, good or bad. Think of Moses, the great prophet of the Old Testament, but not the greatest. Moses goes up to God on a mountain. What happens to him? He comes down and his face 
is shining because he's been with the light. And he puts a blanket over, not so they see it fading, that's a misunderstanding of 2 Corinthians 4, but because he doesn't want them to look at the shining, lest they get distracted from the true shining. But that's another subject. So Moses' face shines. Who's the greatest prophet? The greatest prophet was John the Baptist. What does John the Baptist do? Moses puts a blanket, don't look at me, don't look at me, he puts a blanket over his face. John the Baptist does exactly the same thing, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Here's what John the Baptist says. He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, logically. He who is of the earth, that's me, John, John the Baptist, belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. The sun eclipses all prophets. And that's what exact representation means. Look at verse 3 again. He is an exact representation of his being. What does that mean? It means all the other prophets are little representations. They have got some things right. Muhammad has got it right. There is only one God. And he's pretty much got the rest wrong. All prophets have got something right. The Old Testament prophets have got it all right. There's no error. But it's very little bit in various times and many places in different ways. But the Son is an exact representation of his being. All other prophets are just a reflection. Like the moon. Whereas when you look at the moon, you think, wow, the sun's very bright. Because it's under, you can't see it. It's, it's now in America or wherever it goes to. And you can see the moon, you think, wow, the sun's very bright. But when that sun rises, what happens to the moon? It fades. It has no light of its own. Jesus is an exact representation of God. Let's look at that very quickly. An exact representation. What does that mean? actually, the word exact representation comes from one Greek word, which means an engraving tool. And what you would do with an engraving tool is you would engrave. You'd make a and you'd make a picture of, so this is before uh, you know, Android. Apple takes some nice pictures, but Android takes the best. And, yeah, but before that, you used the thing called a character, an engraving tool. Jesus is an exact engraving tool. He is a perfect representation of the original. So much so that look at what he says. Philip says to Jesus one day, they're sitting and talking, this is in John 14. And Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. I love this. Look what he says. And it's enough for us. Just let the eagles win. It's enough for me. See, whatever you say. Whatever you put there, I'm telling you it'll never be enough for you. Just show me, and it'll be enough for you. It won't be enough for you. There's only one that'll be enough for you. Show us the Father. That'll be enough. And so what did Jesus say? Well, you'll have to wait for it. Long time. Sorry, Philip. You lose. You can never see God. No! Look what Jesus says to him. 
I have been with you so long and you still don't know me. I wasn't talking about you, Jesus. I was talking about the Father. Look what Jesus says. You don't know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He is an exact representation of God's being. And not only that, look at what else it says. He is the exact representation of his being. You know what? This tells me that he is... Look at that word being. Just think, think with me about the word being. See, I know what your ESV says. Your ESV, or I don't know what the NIV says, but the ESV says nature. It's not bad. The word is physics for nature, but that's not what the word is here. Nature's weak because nature means Jesus is a representation of God's goodness, of God's kindness, of God's power. Now all that's true, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus is a representation of God's, not just nature, true, but more, God's being. Jesus is an exact representation of the being of God. That is, everything that God is, Jesus is. The very being of God is perfectly portrayed in the Son. And folks, this is where the moon and the sun analogy breaks down. No analogy is perfect. Because Jesus is not like the moon and God is like the sun. Because the moon has no light of its own. By saying Jesus is an exact representation of God's being, it's saying that Jesus has light of his own. Just like the Father like the sun rising in the morning, the Son of God has come to earth. The light itself has come to earth. Watch how, and we're going to close with this. Watch how this idea runs through the whole Bible. This is, this is very interesting. And I, I, I want to keep my sermon shorter. So I'm not going to go too far here, but I'm going to race you through it. There's so much more that could be said. So let's begin. From the beginning of time, people understood that God was light. Especially the people to whom he spoke. Our fathers, the prophets. One of them, David. Uh, did David write song? I can't remember. But anyway, it says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with splendor, majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. What the Hebrew people rightly understood, because God spoke to them, was that God is unapproachable light. He and this is figurative language, he covers himself, like you put your doona over you, he puts light around him. Okay, now here's the interesting thing, and, I, and I'm going to cut it a bit shorter. There are places, that light in Hebrew is often spoken to of as Shekinah, the shining glory of God. 
You may know this, but it's so interesting that sometimes in the Old Testament, this shining light glory of God, the Shekinah glory, is given personal attributes. For example, in Ezekiel 1, that Shekinah glory speaks. The prophet even says, and he said to who? And he says, the Shekinah glory. Or when Ezekiel sees a vision of God, spectacular glory. And then he looks and he sees one, what? Like the Son of Man, etc. Now, that glory then departed from Israel because of their sin, Ichavot, the glory left. Imagine you sitting there one morning holding your little Mickey Mouse coffee mug. The sun comes up and then suddenly it turns around and goes back down again. Wow, yeah, something's wrong here. You know, that's what happened to Israel. The glory departed. And so God said he's going to come again. The glory will return. And so for example, Isaiah 40 says, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And here's the difference. It won't be stuck in a little house, in a box. All flesh will see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken or promised or said. And so God promised one day the glory will return. Along comes this man, Jesus. The Word became flesh. It lived amongst us. We've seen His glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory came back. He became flesh, a man. All flesh will see it. Notice two persons, one being. The glory as of the, ah, there's a Son. There's a Father, two different persons. One being, one glory. Okay, let's close. What is the glory, Dwayne, of which you speak? What is this glory of which you speak? Glory, glory. Christians always use the word glory. What does it actually mean? What is the glory? Well, it tells you. Look. Look. Full of grace. The glory of God is His truth and His grace. That's why the New Testament, as it heads towards the end, says this about Jesus. 1 Timothy 6, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. Wow! who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honour and eternal dominion forever. So what? So what? So here we are. Here we go now. Like, what's it, what's it for us? Yeah, let me show you again. The joy of God is that his glory is not just, wow, well, for you. His glory is for us. 
because it is a glory full of grace and truth. Now today, I'm not going to tell you about grace, because next week you'll see what grace does. But this week I'll just tell you about truth. For the human person to be happy, for the human soul to be satisfied. I, was, I lead a little group on Thursday nights and I shared a bit of this and, and, and the folk just said, I've, I've just never thought of it that way. You need three types of food if you're going to be happy as a human being. You need food for your tummy. You can't be happy if you starve. But we all know that food won't keep you alive anyway. You'll die one day. But you need it. There's two other foods you need. You need food for your mind. You need truth. That's why the high school kids are so grumpy. Because they go to high school to be told there is no truth. But the human soul needs truth. Food for the mind. But that's not enough. You need food, thirdly, for your heart. You need love, grace. And in Jesus Christ we see that God is both of those foods. He is truth for the mind. And I'm not going to talk about that today. And grace for the heart, that's for next week. But just for today, truth. God spoke long ago through the prophets. There was truth, a little bit. But in his son, he has told us the truth. If you want to know what is true, you're going to have to go to Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth. He is God's truth on earth. Well, I'm going to leave it there. In our hundreds, we flesh out the practicalities of this more. But why don't we bow our heads? I'll pray, and then I'll check my phone to see if anyone has texted any questions. But let's bow our heads and we'll pray. I'll give you a few seconds just to think.